We're going to continue to talk about kingdom things. This kingdom of God series that we started seven, eight weeks ago. I'm not sure. I know this is the seventh message. Uh, Ed gave one message. So this is the seventh one in the series. Uh, and I want you to come back next Sunday. It's going to be awesome. Brother Pastor Randy Levins is going to be preaching next Sunday. And I'm excited about that. For y'all, I'm not going to be here. We're going to be in, uh, we're going to Pittsburgh tomorrow. We're going to be with Joseph Garlington all week. And Ron Campbell and... Pam and Mary Lou and I and Betty and Sandra, we're going to be at a conference called The Presence. So get ready for when we come back. Pittsburgh. I've never been to Pennsylvania, so I'm looking forward to a new state. Very excited about that. Y'all pray for us while we're gone that we receive what we're supposed to receive and uh, that we come back fired up and inspired and rejuvenated. Uh, Today's Father's Day. We've already kind of made sure you knew that. Now, always, you know, the Bible actually talks about not calling anybody father, but father. So, you know, it's okay, though. We're not too legalistic. But I kind of, it's Dad's Day. So I'm thankful for all the dads here. Could all the dads stand up one more time? I just want to see all the dads stand. No, don't sit down yet. I know Blenda played a, prayed a powerful prayer over you, but I'm telling you, God's commissioned you. You're not just a dad. You didn't just happen to have kids. It's a big job. It's a big up. It's a big responsibility. So I'll bless you even today when you leave this place. You're not the same as the dad that came in this morning. Amen. You may be seated. You know, Jesus, Jesus when he preached about parables... Uh, in, in Matthew especially, he would qualify or he would become, before he would tell the parable, he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he would give a parable. Or he would say, the kingdom of God is like. And then he would give a parable. Okay, if y'all remember that? I mean, when you read the Bible, you'll go to the parable. He, he would say, oh, the kingdom of God's like this. And then he would go on. on and so the kingdom of God is like so many things. And he gave so many parables, so many illustrations. But today we're going to be looking at the prodigal son, if you hadn't guessed it yet. And, and in Luke, we're going to be looking at Luke 15, if you want to go ahead and get your Bibles ready for that. But in Luke, in Luke he didn't ever say, in the kingdom of God is like. But I can tell you that more than likely, every parable he ever told was about the kingdom of God. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because Luke 4.43 says this. Jesus said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I've been sent. So Jesus was sent to preach the kingdom. After he res- was resurrected for 40 days, it said he taught things and he preached things concerning or pertaining to the kingdom. He's all about the kingdom. Now, if you haven't been here for any of this series, listen, the church is the vehicle that does what the kingdom wants it to do. We, we, are the, we, are the per- we are the action part of the kingdom. The church goes and does what the kingdom mandates. And, and the kingdom is because we serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. We are part of his kingdom. And so the church is not the same as the kingdom, but it's part of the kingdom. And it's the vehicle that God goes to uttermost parts of the world and preaches the gospel. He uses the church. He uses you and me because we are the church. Say, I'm the church. So he's talking about this is what the kingdom is like. Now, a parable is, many of you probably heard this since you were a little bitty. It's a, it's a heavenly story with, I mean, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. How many of you ever heard that? 
it's an earthly story. It's, it's, it's about everyday life. Jesus would teach about everyday life, farming and, and, and fishing and all these things. And, but it had a heavenly meaning. There's, it's also, it was also an example by which a doctrine or precept was given. So he was teaching principles here in precepts or doctrines or truth through these parables when he would teach them and, he would t- and when he would share them. And since it's Father's Day, I thought, what better, what better parable to look at for us to see uh, what a kingdom father looks like than to look at the prodigal son. I've loved this. I've probably preached this, probably this passage more than many other passages. And you can preach it so many different ways because it's just full of truth. It's full of so, so many dynamics, so many di- characters in it. And so many things that you can pull out of each character. So this morning, we're going to be looking at what, how does this apply to us as kingdom people? Now, I know it's Father's Day, but this is going to apply to moms too. It's going to apply to children too, because God's called us all to be kingdom people. Amen? Now, the, the, the subject that... The word grace is not in this passage, but this is all about grace. I hope you understand that. Did you notice that story? It's all about grace. Okay? It's all about grace. Now, John 1, 16. This is a, a great verse. It's better in the Passion than it is in the New King James. But I'm going to read both of them to you. And the New King James says, and this is John speaking, and of his fullness, he's talking about Jesus' fullness, we have all received in grace for grace. Now, have you ever, how many of you have heard that in grace for grace? Grace for grace. Now, listen to, this is better because I think it defines it better. It says in the, new, in the Passion, it says, and now out of his fullness, we are fulfilled. And listen to this. And from him, we receive grace heaped upon more grace. That's the best you got. Oh, like grace. Oh, like a little bit more grace. Heap it on me. No, it's grace heaped more grace. How many of you need more grace? If you don't need more grace today, I tell you what, you're probably really close to going to heaven. Because you've, you've almost perfected everything, and that's when you, pew, you go. Now, we need grace. We need grace every day. Now, a lot of people will tell you what grace means. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. That's G-R-A-C-E. That's the acronym. And that's good, but that's not what the word grace means. Did you know that? It's not what the word grace means. Christ is not in the word grace. Here's what the word grace means. It means goodwill, loving kindness, favor. That's what grace means. So when God gives us grace that we don't deserve, it's His goodwill, it's His favor, it's His goodness that He gives us. We are saved by His goodness. We are saved by His favor, not our favor. We don't deserve it. He's got this goodwill that He wants to give us. So we, but it is, it's, it's undeserved and it's a gift. It's a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, faith and that not of yourselves, that you can't do it on your own. You can't accomplish it on your own. He said, it is the what? The gift of God. Say gift. How many of you like to get gifts? Amen. I like to get gifts. And, in, and he qualifies it. He wants to make sure that people don't go and become legalistic about this. And then he said, he makes sure you understand what grace is, that it's a gift. And he says, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I don't know how much plainer it can be that you can't work your way to heaven. You can't work your way into salvation unless you call it work receiving grace. If you want to call that work, then you're working your way to heaven. But I call it a gift. I'm just receiving. Man, when I go open a gift, I don't call it work. Christmas morning, go open a gift. Oh, I've got to go down there and work on some presents to open. No, we don't work. We just open them. You know? So 
This morning, we're going to talk about this beautiful thing called grace from Luke chapter 15. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be reading from the Passion Translation today. Then Jesus said, once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to the father and he said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? Mm -hmm. So the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. And shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all of his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. Number one, I want you to write these down if you take notes. We need the grace to let go. This father had the grace to let go. Now this is important. This is important. God the Father had the grace to let go of us. So many people, one of the, one of the big theological questions pe people ask a pastor, especially if they don't know Jesus, they don't love Jesus, or they're an atheist, or, or you know, they're an agnostic, they say, well, if, if God is such a loving God, why do so many bad things happen in the world? Why are people starving over in, in all these countries? Why are these people dying? Why does this happen? And you know what? Because God had the grace to let us go. It's our fault, it's not God's. How many of you want free will? Not everybody? Somebody? Oh, my wife doesn't give me free will. She tells me what to do. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, I'll do whatever my wife says. That's, that's my free will. I can call her Willie. <laughs> You're right. My wife's down there. He's making this up as he goes. But God loves us enough to let us go. How many parents in here, you had to come to the place that you loved your children enough to let them go. You had to cut the string of the kite. You had to let them out of the cocoon. They had to, you had to give them their wings to fly. Anybody? But some of you, hoo -hoo, some of you, oh, no, baby, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. Oh, I, can't do, I can't live without you. You can stay here. You know? We want to control our children. Some of us are guilty of that. I will never forget the day my little... Four foot, eleven and three quarter inch. She says five feet tall daughter. She graduated high school. She was, she was, she never gave us hardly any trouble except that brown eyed girl thing that one time. And she never gave us hardly any, any trouble. And she said, I said, honey, it's time to start making a decision where you want to go, go to college. And she said, I'm going to UT and I'm going to graduate in four years. And I said, you what? You're not tall enough to go to UT. You're too little. You're my baby girl. That's how we felt. And, and the day we drove up and we saw that big tower where all those people were shot, you know. And we're taking her to this dorm and all these kids. And they didn't look like our kid. They looked kind of, you know. And, we saw, and then when we start, you walk through the campus and there's this guy passing out this pamphlet about atheism and this one about abortion. And all, you got all these wild thinkers there. And man, I'm telling you, we're like, oh my goodness. How can we leave her here? How can we let go of her? Could you just go to ASU for a couple of years? No, Dad, I, I've made up my mind. I passed the, the, the exams. I'm going, to, I'm going to UT. God gave us the grace to let her go. God gave Adam and Eve the grace to run the garden. And they ran it right to the ground. Literally. He gave Israel the grace to get their own king. Did he want them to have a king? No, he said, I'm your king. 
Some of you this morning need to let go of some things. And you say, well, Pastor, I, I can't let go of that. That's really, I, I'm in control of that. Exactly. What do you think you're holding on to today that you need to let go of? The list is too long. I heard that from the front row. So don't be too quick to judge the son that wanted to leave. Don't be too quick to to judge the dad that let him go. Okay? How many of you made bad choices in your life? It should be everybody. I want to meet that person that's never made a bad choice. After church, please come down and pray over me. Anoint me with some motor oil or something. You never made a bad choice in your life. Woo-hoo. But we made bad choices. And how many of you, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you learned from your bad choices? I mean, I did. God teaches us through our bad choices. You know, ultimately, He wants all, even our bad choices, to lead back to Him. The prodigal son, all these bad choices, He wanted them to lead back to the Father. And they did. Because the Father had the grace to let go. So some, some of you are hanging on to some things, and it can be anything. It can be ideals. Ideals, it can, it can be uh, thoughts that you're hanging on. It can be unforgiveness. We're going to talk about a lot of that this morning, but it can be so many things, but we need to move on. Now, i got, I got to say this. You probably need to write this down. This is probably going to be in books later on on Wikipedia that Pastor Harold said this. Just, I love to preach. Let me, let me say it the way I, I wrote it down when I thought I had this epiphany. The length that we go to into letting go directly corresponds to our trust in God the Father. The length that we go to into letting go, and you can fill in the blank or whatever, directly corresponds to our trust in God the Father. See, when we said, Tracy, bye, and we kissed her bye-bye, we were crying all the way back to San Angelo. We were trusting the Father. We said, God, you got her. We prayed over her. We pray over her every, every day. We still pray over our children every day. And if you're not praying over your children every day, you need to start praying over your children every day. I don't care where they're at. I don't care what they're doing. You need to pray over your children every day. But the ability to let go corresponds to how much you're going to trust God. So we trusted God and let her go. Verse 14, with everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry. This is the guy, this is the prodigal. Prodigal actually means worldly, okay? For there was a severe famine in that land, and so he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. Now, for a Jew, guess what? That's not a cool job. The son was famished. He was so famished, he was willing to even eat the slop given to the pigs. Now, that's hungry. But did you know that we have people in this city that go dumpster diving for food? Shouldn't be, should it? He was hungry. He said, man, I'm, I, when you're hungry, I'm telling you, something that you wouldn't normally eat, you'll eat. Because no one would feed him a thing. In other words, when the money runs out, the friends run with it. Or the fake friends run with it, I'll put it that way. The real friends stick around. His fake friends were gone. No more money, no more friends. Humiliated, humbled. The son finally realized what he was doing. He thought, 
There are many workers in my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. Can you imagine his mind going back to that? Oh, man. I just can imagine what they're having for dinner right now. <laughs> they like nothing. Why, why am I here dying of hunger feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back home to my daddy, my father's house, and I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees, one of your servants, one of your slaves. Just treat me like one of those. I just want a good meal, Daddy. I made a mistake. Man, I have messed up. Second thing I want you to see is grace. We need the grace to admit when we fail. He had the grace to admit, man, I have messed up. I made some wrong choices. You know what will keep you from doing that? P-R-I-D-E. Man, you're all fool. You're full of pride. Oh, I didn't mess up. They messed up. My boss, man, I don't care if I was late three times this week. My boss had no right to fire me. And we blame everybody. You don't, people play the blame game now more than ever in history. Nobody ever wants to accept responsibility for anything. It's always somebody else's fault. It's my husband's fault. No, it's my wife's fault. It's my kid's fault. No, it's the teacher's fault. It's my boss's fault. We're always praying. We're always blaming somebody for something that we screwed up in. But God will give you the grace. Listen, listen. He was humiliated. That's humbled. And God will give you the grace if you will submit to God. James 4, 6 says, but he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you're proud, but continually pours out grace when you're humble. Admit when you mess up. Just admit it. I don't like to admit when I mess up. Do you? Nobody likes to. But I'm telling you, if you want to humble yourself and really see the goodness of God work in your life, you'll admit, you'll admit when you made a mistake. I'm not saying, we, do, we all do it. Admit it. Man, husbands, you really want to get in good with your wife? Quit blaming her. He said, baby, I'm sorry, that was my fault. I, I remember what I grew up with all in the family. How many of you grew up with all in the family? Archie Bunker, man, he could not admit he was wrong ever, ever, ever. One time he tried to tell Edith he was sorry. You remember that, that, one, that one episode? Well, Edith, I'm... This. He couldn't say it. I don't think he ever got it out. He couldn't say sorry. I mean, sometimes we just need to admit when we fail. You know, the, the, there's an old saying that, uh, that confession is good for the soul, right? James 5.16 says it better. Confess your trespasses to one another... And pray for one another that you may be healed. That means to be made whole. So you want your, you want your marriage to work better? You want your, your family life to work better? Or your work life to work better? Listen, when you make a mistake, go and tell somebody. Go tell your boss. Don't make up something. He said, man, that's the third flat tire you've had this week. Don't do that. Tell them the truth. If you get fired, go out by telling the truth. But making stuff up and blaming somebody. You know, uh, what we used to say in staff meetings, and we still say, is, is a, um, what is it? Uh, a bad excuse ruins a great apology. Something like that. In other words, sometimes there's just no excuses. You say, man, I'm late. I'm sorry. My bad. I overslept. Whatever. Just don't try to make up something. Okay? Verse 20. So the young man set off for home from a long distance away. His father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar. And great compassion swelled up in his heart for the son who was running, returning to him. So the father 
Ooh, I love this. The father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms. He hugged him dearly. He kissed him over and over with tender love. And then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I sinned against you. I can never deserve it to be called your son. Just let me be. I love that the father interrupted him. You'll never notice that. The father didn't let him go and spill his guts. The father just said, Son, you're home now. Did y'all tear up during that video? Is I the only one crying up here? Can you imagine that the son, he said, he, he was he's getting in his mind ready exactly what he's going to tell his dad. Because he knew his dad. He, he knew how his dad was. He said, man, I'm going to go and I'm going to tell him, man, I've really messed up. I've, I've blown all the money. I've, I've squandered it. And then I did some wrong things. Dad, I was, I was sobbing pigs. And he gets to him. He's got all this, this, all this memorized probably. He goes, but Dad, would you please? Hey, son, stop. You're home. You're home. Number three is the grace to forgive. If there's anything that'll stop the flow of the Holy Spirit, that will stop the flow of, uh, of your faith. that will stop the flow of your of your joy that'll stop the flow of your uh, of your moving in the right directions and, and advancing the kingdom of God. It's unforgiveness. We speak it over and over the ministry team. When you come up for prayer, many times the, the word of knowledge will come, but you haven't forgiven so-and-so. And they, they say, well, my back's been hurting. My back hurts so bad it's been hurting. When did it start hurting? Well, the day that my dad beat me. Have you forgiven your dad? Oh, no, I'm not going to forgive my dad. Then you're going to keep hurting. Because God says, you've got to forgive. He said, this is how I forgive you. So we need the grace. It's a grace to forgive. Some of you have been wounded and hurt in horrible ways. I can't even imagine. I've heard so many stories as a pastor that breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. And you know what I have to tell them after they say my granddaddy abused me? I said, have you forgiven me? Have you forgiven him? What? You mean forgive him for doing that? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. You will never be healed. You will never be whole until you, until you forgive them. I'm not saying they were right. Listen, don't get me confused here saying that what they did was okay. It was not okay. Did you know most people that have been abused, they've been, the ones that do the abusing have been abused before themselves? And before that, and before that, it's generational. Second, it's ugly. Got to stop it somewhere. And it's going to have to be with you. I'm going to be the one that steps up and I'm going to be the one that forgives because I don't want my life to end up like a blur in, in pain and misery and in emptiness and bitterness. God will give you the grace to forgive. Colossians 3.13 says, tolerate, tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously, there's that word grace, graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, Release this same gift of forgiveness to them. Give them that gift of grace. Give them that gift of forgiveness. Amen? We don't know about this dad. I mean, Jesus' parable, he didn't go into detail about this dad as a parable. So we don't know it. We don't know much about him. But I'll tell you what I do believe, and I think the, the video depicted it very well. The dad was in pain. The, the dad was grieving. You, you see, when, when a son would come and ask for his inheritance, that was way out of line. At that age, that was way out of line. 
Matter of fact, by doing that, the son said, basically, Dad, I wish you were dead. Because that's usually when they got their inheritance. More than He dishonored him by just asking for his inheritance. He didn't want to stay with his dad. He, apparently, he didn't like his dad too much. A little upset with his dad. Dad might have made him do some things he didn't want to do. But he felt lost. I think the dad felt lost. I, fe I think he felt grieved. The Bible says that we grieve the Holy Spirit by our actions. If I went around this room and asked you how many you've been disappointed or hurt by someone, probably be everybody. I mean, have you been hurt in the church? It's uh, pretty common. Because the church is full of people. Real people. Real issues, real problems. Imperfect people that probably were raised by imperfect parents. Church is full of them. And I'm not saying it's easy to forgive people that have hurt you. I'm not. Some of you need to go and forgive somebody this week, today, tomorrow. And you need to go stand at the grave even though they're not there and say, I forgive you. I, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm not saying it's easy, but... I'm saying God will give you the grace to do it. He'll give you the grace to do it. Grace should be given when it's not deserved. Forgiveness should be offered when it's not expected. When Jesus spoke of offenses that would come in Luke 17, we did a whole series on this in life groups. He said in verse 3, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. What? <laughs> Do we just kind of take that one out of the Bible, Lord? I don't like that verse. You don't like that, but you sure won't like the one where Peter asked him in Matthew 18. How many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? He said, no, no, seven times, 70. In a day, 490 times. I don't know anybody here that's been dissed 490 times in one day. But if you have, you're supposed to forgive them 490 times. But I think there's an interesting verse here. After he says you shall forget, you're supposed to, uh, if they ask to repent, then you, sh you should forgive them. Verse 5 is this one. And the apostle said, the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> I think that's just so appropriate to come after those verses. Uh, you mean seven times in a day if they come back and they repent and we have to forgive them? We need more faith, Lord. You don't know my brother, man. He is so mean. You don't know my sister. She'll come up in the night and she'll put cornflakes in my bed. You just don't know these people. You want me to forgive them seven times? I need more faith. But guess what he'll do? He'll give you more faith. He'll heap some more grace upon you and some more grace. That's what he does. Go to Luke 15, chapter 22. We're going to skip that last verse there. Lisa, heads up. Turning to his servant, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring me the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger. Bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. I want some Italian shoes. Leather. Real leather. I want an Armani suit. Think of it in today's vernacular. He's bringing out a robe and some sandals and a ring. Now, the ring was very significant. It was about sonship, about authority. He said, bring out, bring out the best shoes. Bring out, 
And, and let's, let's prepare a great feast and celebrate for this beloved son of mine was dead, but now he's alive again. He was lost, now he's found, and everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. See, that, that song, Amazing Grace, this is where it comes from. Did you know that? I once was lost, but now. Okay, that's where it came from. A lot of people go, oh, okay. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. The fourth thing I want you to see is grace demonstrated. This is, this is, I think this is important. You know, it's one thing to say, I forgive you. It's another thing to show it. Okay? It's one thing, oh, oh, somebody comes to you, would you please forgive me? Oh, I'll forgive you. It's another thing to demonstrate grace. Kingdom grace. Here, here's, here's, work with me here. The scenario. Here comes the son. He's coming back. Man, he's, man, he's, whew, he's ripe. You know, he's stinky. He's been in a pigsty. Anybody ever been in a pig pen? Chloe and Carol healed one time. God bless them. I love y'all, but I didn't love you that day too much. Chloe and I don't know, thinking we're out of town and it was raining, raining. They had a little place out of our Fairview and they had pigs. That's what they do out there. They raise pigs. And she asked me to go and feed the pigs. Y'all don't know if you, you remember it. But you said there's some boots there to put on. Well, the boots stayed in the mud. I couldn't get them out. They just, you know. And I went home from there like, I don't like your relatives, Mary Lou. Uh-uh. They asked, that's just who crossed the line right there. Oh, that's the stinkiness thing I ever did. Oh, my goodness. God bless pig farmers. I think I was off of bacon for a while. Oh, my goodness. I'm traumatized. Yeah, I need help. Linda, you want to pray over me later? Here's the deal. The, guy, the, the, dad, the son could have come home and the dad could have seen him. you show your face out there. I'm so glad you're home, son. Man, I love you. I'm so glad. What'd you do while you were gone? <laughs> what? You have any money left? Okay, here's what we're going to do. I don't think your brother's going to be happy about this. Your mom's sure not going to be happy. You go in there and you get cleaned up. And we're going to ease you back into this scenario. We're going to ease you back into this family quietly. That's what most of us would have done. You go get cleaned up first. You're not, you're, you're not going to see your mom like this. And then I'll give you some jobs. You can go make it right with your brother. I'm going to give you some jobs. But listen, you're going to have to work your way back up to being a son. Couldn't it have been that way? Couldn't it have been? That's not our Heavenly Father, is it? His grace. His grace. His grace was demonstrated. He did not only demonstrate it when he ran, when I'm, I'm pretty sure that probably wasn't a cool thing to do. Hey! Oh, my God! Oh! I was just running and jumping on him. That was probably so undignified. Did you know we're supposed to be undignified before the Lord? David was undignified. We, well, we always want such sanitary Christianity. It's not sanitary. It's messy. Man, he jumped on the dude. And I always had this picture of him rolling in the dirt with his son. Like he was like he was five years old. Like when I get Ezra and we just roll and we play. I just pictured his dad and they just roll it in. 
gives them all over the neck, kisses them all over the cheek. Oh, my, that's what I'm saying. That's a demonstration of grace. And then he demonstrated about bring this robe, bring this robe that's covering up his dirtiness, his stinkiness. Bring that good robe. Don't bring the bad one. Bring that one we got from the Four Seasons Hotel that you stole. You know, bring that with that white, that nice robe. Bring those good sandals and bring bring those those awesome sandals and get the ring. Don't forget the ring. It's faith. It was grace demonstrated. Grace demonstrated. And then he goes even beyond that. He says, "Hey, my son's home. Get the. We're gonna have a party. We're gonna have a barbecue. Invite everybody. My son was lost. He was dead. Man, he's home. My baby boy's back. That's grace demonstrated." We need to demonstrate grace and reconciliation instead of hiding it. Well, when did y'all get reconciled? Oh, a couple of years ago, we started talking again. No! It starts, man, my brother was lost, but now he's found. He's blind, now he sees. It's so awesome that God would bring him home. In one piece, in one piece, grace demonstrated. Verse 25. Now this older son was out. Oh, man, bless this older son. Now the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned. And as he approached he, the house, he heard music, a celebration, and dancing. Now if there's one thing I find a fault with the daddy here is he should have gone out and told the son before they had the party. Just saying. But that's Jesus' story. It's his parable. And that's, he's trying to make a point here, okay? So he called over one of the servants and asked, what's going on? What is happening here? Get a little raucous at the house. The servant replied, it's your younger brother. He's returned home and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry. Now I want you to tell, I want you to know right here, jealousy and anger go like right together. Okay? We'll talk about that in a minute. The son became angry. The, other, the older son refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him. Come and enjoy the feast with us. The, the, the son said, Father, listen, how many years have I been working like a slave for you? Performing every duty you've ever asked. I've been a faithful son. And I've never had once disobeyed you, but you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you even given me a goat that I could feed on and feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. Jealous. Jealous, jealousy can eat you up. And then he says, the worst thing he could possibly say. But look at this son of yours. He say, look at my brother. He's disowned his brother right there. He my brother. He's heavy. He ain't my brother. He ain't my brother. Uh-uh. The son of yours. Look at the son of yours. He, he comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes. He didn't know what he had been doing. But look what he said. You've been wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living here you're throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. The other thing I want you to see is this is where grace is withheld. Grace is withheld. Saddest part of the whole parable. And, and sometimes, don't you just wish at the end of that that we had another few verses and the son repented, the older son repented and came into the house and enjoyed the party and hugged us brother and they were made up and everything was good and rosy. Don't you kind of wish that? Well, some of you do. Some of you just want him to leave him where he was. He didn't deserve to come in after that. See, 
But see, it already the, the 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 younger son disowned his dad by asking for his what his inheritance, and the older son now has dishonored his father not only by saying that's not my brother anymore, but not going into the feast. That was a big deal. You're supposed to come in. I've invited you. You're my son. You know, yeah, you know, you just said you always obeyed me. Didn't he just say that? That I've always obeyed you. Well, why don't you come in? No, uh, uh, I'm not coming in there with that that son of yours. Whoo! Grace withheld. You know, when you operate out of anger or jealousy instead of grace, the enemy of our souls is invited in. See, I I started thinking about this, Randy. How much deeper this could go with with the thought process of this son. Why was he so angry? Well, maybe he was mad because he didn't do what his other younger son did. He didn't have the guts to go out on his own. Maybe, right? And so he's thinking, I'm here working and sweating every day. I wonder what my brother's doing. Man, he's probably living high on the hog and having a good time. And I'm here working for my dad. I wish I wished I'd have gone with him. We don't know what the thought process was. But whatever it was, he was jealous for some reason. And we also see in this story that this is a picture of grace for the, for the younger son that went away. But God, uh, through the father, offers grace to the older son. And the older son was what I would call the legalistic son. I've worked, I've worked, I've worked, I've worked, I've worked, I've obeyed, I've obeyed, I've obeyed, I've obeyed. I deserve this. He doesn't deserve anything. Remember the story, the parable about the workers. They were hired throughout the day, and the ones that, that were hired at the end of the day got the same wage as the ones that had been working all day. And, and, the, and the ones that had been working all day said, that is not fair. And God said, I don't care what you think. I can pay him whatever I want to. He said, I'm going to grace him. I'm going to give him a full day's wages. That's what grace does. Ephesians 4, 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor. Clamor means causing controversy, stirring things up. And evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Malice is not a word we use much anymore. It means wickedness. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You have no right to hold on to sin against somebody else. When God has forgiven you of all your sins. I heard that a long time ago and it's stuck. If you think, well, I'm not going to forgive them because of they did this. And you expect God to forgive you because you did all that other stuff? Not, not right. It's the wrong thinking. What do we do with the wrong thinking, Ed? We repent. We change the way we think. Change the way we think. I'm not saying anybody deserves forgiveness, but we have to give it if we want to have our hearts healed. Verse 31, we're going to be closing. The father said, my son, you're always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother, he reminds him, he's your brother. It's not just my son, he's your brother. This brother of yours was once dead and gone. 
but now he's alive and he's back with us again. He was lost, but now he's found. The last thing which it says is grace is extended to the ungrateful. We need to be people that extend grace even if they're not grateful. Even if they don't respond the way we would like them to, to respond in a Hallmark movie or a Hallmark card. You know, everything always ends up good in the Hallmark movies. But in life, it doesn't always turn out that way. You may go to somebody and say, man, I know I wronged you back in 2000, whatever. And, and, and I know I, I said some things that hurt were hurtful. But I just, I just want to ask you, would you please forgive me? I'm so sorry. And they may look you in the eye and say, go to figure it out. Oh, we can say hell in church. It's in the Bible. They may say that. You understand what I'm saying? You can't control the other side of this equation. Don't try to control it. Don't beg them. If you need to give your testimony in the process, give your testimony. I I'm not who I used to be. I'm not. I used to be a really bad person and God came and saved me miraculously. And I'm not that person anymore. And I know at that time I was a horrible, mean, cruel person. Would you please forgive me? They may say, ah, oh, no way, buddy. You don't deserve, you don't need to deserve forgiveness. Get away from me. And you know what you've done? You've done your part. You've done your part. That's all you can do. Some of you have been hurt over and over again. God says, forgive them over and over again. If you want to be free, you're going to have to keep forgiving them. One day, just one day, maybe the grace will fall upon them, the grace of God, to forgive. But we have got to take the high ground as believers, as children of the Most High God, who has a Father this way. He's, he's watching for us every day. He's waiting to run to you. We've got we to gotta keep our eyes on Him. And once we figure out that He's forgiven us of all of our sins and all of our horrible thoughts and all of the things that we've done, past, present, and future, it should be easy for us to forgive somebody else. Maybe not easy, but it should be something by the Spirit of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do. And you know what happens when you do that? You bring glory and honor to God. You say, I want to come into the party. I'm going to come in, Daddy. I'm going to quit being mad at my brother. I'm going to quit talking bad about my neighbor. I'm going to quit doing this to my mom. I'm going to come into the party because I belong to you. We have a good, good father. We have this amazing grace that he's given us. He's given us that ability to forgive. Kingdom forgiveness. Kingdom grace. Would you stand this morning? Just bow your heads. Ministry team, would you find your places this morning? I pray we're gonna we're gonna sing amazing grace some of you've never experienced the amazing grace of Jesus Christ and I say that because if you're not saved you haven't experienced it but he's extending grace to you today he's, he's extending his loving kindness his goodwill his favor to you if you're lost you may be that you may be that person that's never known Jesus Christ and 
That's the, that's the most important thing, most important decision you'll ever make in your life. So we're going to offer that to you today. All you need to do is come out and say, I need to talk to you. I don't, I'm not sure about I'm saved or not. And they can lead you through that. Some of you may be prodigals here this morning. You're not lost in the sense of losing your salvation. You're just, you just wandered off the track. You've gotten into some things that you know God is not pleased with. That you, and you need to get back on track with God. And you just need somebody to encourage you. Listen, they don't come and tell me your stuff. They keep it. They keep between them and the Holy Spirit. And they talk. Unless it's, unless it's something like a suicide or something like that. You've got suicidal thoughts. And if that's you, we want to encourage you to come. We want to pray for you. But if you're here this morning and you wandered off the track, and you need to get back on track. It's a simple, Father, I'm coming home. I'm sorry. And he'll say, hey, I'm just glad you're back. Let me help you walk this walk. Maybe you're here this morning. They're just You have a, a physical need. Maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You, you feel like you've been wandering the wilderness as a Christian. You want, I, want, I want the power. I want to be able to lay my hands on the sick and see them healed. I want, I want to be able to have this supernatural uh, knowledge to help people and this, this grace to help people in a way that I've never had before. We want to pray for you. Whatever your need is, we want to pray for you this morning. Father, today, you're the God that's going to run to us. Now, you ask us to take a step first because the prodigal, he made the steps. He said, I'm going home. He had to make the step first. So, Lord, I pray that you give the strength and the power and the courage for people to take the step and come forward and have received prayer this morning, whatever their need is. Father, you just have your way here. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said...